Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. family. If you guys got your Bibles, head over to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to be saying that same thing for the next six weeks, Romans chapter 8. And uh, while you're turning there, let me go ahead and uh, just welcome everybody that's joining in with us here, everybody that's joining in with us at our campuses, everybody that's hanging out with us at Lake Point Church Online, Lake Point Nation. Um, I do want to say this. Uh, You've heard this from me uh, pretty frequently. I I am excited. Um, Guys, the last two weeks, we've had about 95% of our church back in person. Uh, which is, that's right, man, been really, really awesome. And uh, just to, had, really, this month has just been incredible. Um, but I do know that we've still got, uh, you know, a lot of folks that um, are still joining in with us at Lake Point Church Online. We know that your heart's still here. You're part of our Lake Point family. You're with us. Um, I just want you to know that we love you. We're with you. And uh, as you have heard from me a few other times, if you're staying home um, for health reasons, you're in a high-risk category, you're immunocompromised, something like that, Uh, I need you to hear from your pastor. We love you. We're with you. There is no undue pressure or anything like that. Uh, But if you're staying home, not for health, but just out of habit, we just want to say, come on back. Come join us. There's just nothing like being in the room, and we can't wait to see you. Well, hey, uh, Lake Point family, um, let me go ahead and just set up. I'm very excited about the day. Um, Today, we are starting a new series that we're calling GOAT. And no, I'm not preaching about farm animals for the next six weeks. Uh, what's happening is GOAT stands for greatest of all time. And uh, where this comes from is like, you know, you'll get into kind of a, you know, water cooler locker room debate about who or what is the GOAT. Who or what is the greatest of all time. That, that's the greatest of all time. He's the greatest of all time. She's the greatest of all time. And so uh, we're going to have a little fun with this to set this up. Um, you guys help me out. We, right now, we're going to settle some GOAT debates, okay? We're going to do this right now at all of our campuses in the room. So really quick, let's do this. These are, the, now wait, y'all wait. Everybody's jumping the gun on this. These are the two most uh, popular breakfast cereals ever sold. Now, if you are Team Honey Nut Cheerios, make some noise for us, where you at, Team Honey Nut Cheerios, okay? <laughs> all right, y'all are very excited about these breakfast cereals. Now, where are my fellow Cinnamon Toast Crunch? People, I hear you. Where are you at? <laughs> That's right. That's it. It's fun to see which service goes which way, by the way. You know, Saturday night, there are Honey Nut Cheerios, folks. Uh, let, me, let me do this other one. Here we go. All right. Now, wait. Just a second. <laughs> Just a second. All right. Where, where are our brave in and out fans? Okay, awesome. All right. Where are my fellow Whataburger is the greatest? <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, y'all better be this excited when I preach about Jesus here in a second. 
Now, let me do, this is the granddaddy of all GOAT debates. We got LeBron MJ. Hang on, hang on, all right? I think there's an argument to be made. So where are LeBron fans at? Where are we at? Come, now don't do that. Stop it, stop it, stop. Y'all are ruining the moment. Now, where are my fellow Michael is the GOAT? He's the GOAT, he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Now, what we know is you're all wrong because this is obviously the GOAT. That's, uh, that's right, man. Obviously, all right. Now, this last one. Last one's very serious. There is a hot debate about what is the best house pet. <clears throat> now, really quick, some of you, some of you, you're, you're kind of getting ahead of me uh, because if you've been around for a few weeks, you know that my administration has always opposed house cats in any way, shape, or form. So here's, you have a promise for me. Promise for me, I'm not gonna make any jokes about cats. I'm not gonna dunk on cat owners in any way. You're not gonna hear a word out of my mouth. I just did a serious thing. Which one of these two animals do y'all think is better? Which one, all right? That's your choice. It's totally your choice. Whichever one you, uh, up to you. Which, <laughs> all right. Now, on these things, on these things, there can be some debate. What there is almost no debate about whatsoever is what is the greatest chapter in the Bible. Years ago, there was a, a survey done among Bible scholars and seminary professors if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only have one chapter of the Bible with you, what chapter would you choose? 90% of them chose Romans chapter eight. In the words of one of my favorite Bible teachers, the greatest book ever written is the Bible. The greatest letter in the greatest book ever written is Romans, and the greatest chapter in the greatest letter in the greatest book ever written is Romans chapter eight. It is the goat greatest of all time. And so what we're gonna do, I like to do this a few times during the year, is I love to just pick a portion of the Bible and we're just gonna preach through it verse by verse by verse by verse and just walk right through that thing. It's gonna be fun, deep into the pool, do a little theology every week, it's gonna be fun. So if you got your Bibles, pick up with me in Romans eight, we're gonna do verses one through four today. And it starts with a tattoo worthy verse. I was gonna do it, but Janice said my body's already perfect. Here we go, Romans eight one. That's a joke too. Romans 8, 1, here we go. I'm gonna need your help while I read this. There is therefore now, now wait, now, when? Now, do it, do it one more time. There is when? Now. No. How much? No. One more time. How much? There is therefore now no condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. None at all. For the law of the spirit of life, you're gonna see him talk about two ways to live. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I'm gonna define those things here in a second. For God has done what the, what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do. In other words, because of our sinful nature, because of our flesh, we never could live up to the law. God gave it and it was good, but because of our flesh, we couldn't do the good thing we knew we were supposed to do. So how did he do that? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned what? He did not condemn us. He condemned sin in the flesh of his son in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? Who walk, circle the word walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Oh, I love the Bible. All right, now, here's what we got. Paul in this passage, the guy who wrote this book, he describes two ways to live, and he calls them this. He calls them the law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. And there are two ways that you will live. You will either live under the spirit or you will live under the law. Now, let me define 
what it means to do each of those things and, uh, and give some examples. Now, really quick, I need to first talk about what it means to live under the law, the law of sin and death. Now, I am going to teach this to you as it was taught to me. So let me give you definitions, examples, and then problems, okay? Now, we need to start here. Everybody's gotta be on the same page. The laws and commands of God are good. The Bible says that, quote, his commands are not burdensome. The laws of God are good. Every time God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. In fact, the world and God's commands, they're like a good dad who stocks the pantry full of all the best snacks. And then he says, oh, and by the way, don't drink the bleach under the sink. The laws of God are good things. But what it means to live under the law, the law of sin and death, what it does is it takes the commands of God that he gave us because he loves us and it turns them into ways to watch this, to either earn or keep a love from God you either don't have or that you can lose. That's what it means to live under the law. So it sounds like this. It says, here are the rules. As long as you don't break the rules, you're good. But if you break the rules, we're gonna judge you, shame you, condemn you, and shun you. That's what living under the law sounds and feels like. Now, there are religious examples of this. And by the way, I just need you to know this is a church increasingly I just feel a burden to be very straightforward with you because we increasingly live in a culture that is lying to you all the time and trying to cause confusion among the people of God. So I just need to be very clear with you. Religious examples of living under the law are every other religion that has ever existed besides Christianity. In every other religion that has ever existed besides Christianity, it is as if eternity is a scale and your good deeds go on one side and your bad deeds go on the other side. And when you're doing good and the scale tips this way, man, God's for you, he's with you, there's blessing for you, eternal life, you know, oneness with the universe, whatever you wanna call it, that's good. But whenever you're not doing so hot and the scale tips this way, God's against you, there's judgment, there's shame, you're ostracized, you know, you're out, you're condemned hell. Christianity, watch this, Christianity's different because in Christianity, it's not primarily about you and what you need to do. It's about Jesus and what he did. So every other religion besides Christianity, it falls into this living under the law. This includes cults like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. By the way, if you're here and you're Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, you're in a cult. I'm telling you that because I love you. This is how this works. And listen, you're seeing this. Other examples of this include legalistic forms of Christianity. And all of them, they boil down to that. You can tell the difference. They boil down to that one phrase. Living under the law is where it's all about you, what you need to do, and what you have or haven't done, while the gospel is about Jesus and what he did and how we're accepted because of him and what he did. That is the difference between these two things. Now, so it, it ends up sounding like this, and this may sound really familiar to you, if not you know, verbally at an emotional level. It can sound like, hey, as long as you don't drink, smoke, cuss, chew, or hang out with those who do, you're good, we're good. But if you slip up, then we judge you, we shame you, we condemn you, we shun you. Now, here's the problem with living under the law. Here's the problem with it. Laws can show you the good things that you should do. They are absolutely powerless to give you the desire to do them. Absolute power. So people who grow up living under the law or people who experience life living under the law, whether it's religious or irreligious forms, I'm gonna talk about irreligious forms here in about 30 seconds. 
what they eventually do is they realize like, man, like, dude, I can't obey God because I'm imperfect. I can't obey God perfectly because I'm imperfect. So if I'm gonna sin, sin, I might as well sin big and break all the rules. Many of you called this your freshman year in college. That, that, that's what happens. So here, here's how the difference. Under the law, in the law of sin and death, it centers the rules. Christianity centers a living and active relationship with Jesus through the power of the Spirit. That's the difference between these two things. Now, some of you are loving this sermon so far because you're like, yeah, get all those terrible religious people, you know? And what you're saying is like, that, Josh, that's it. This is why I reject religion because they judge, shame, condemn, and shun anybody who, who breaks the rules, not like out there in the world. And if that's you, I say, okay, buddy. Okay, buddy. This spirit, the spirit of law, it exists in non-religious forms. Let me give you an example. Do university campuses have their own form of the law? And if you don't obey this law, then you are judged, shamed, condemned, shunned. Do they have that? Yes, they do. So if you go on a university campus, you need to refer to people by their preferred pronoun, not their God-given pronoun, and what happens to you if you don't? Judged, shamed, condemned, shunned. We call that expulsion. Uh, What about social media? Does social media have its own form of law? Yes, it does. They call them community standards, which is hilarious because we've all seen the community and they have no standards, okay? And so what happens is if you post something that doesn't align with like their specific ideology, well, then you get judged, shamed, condemned, and shunned. We call this post-throttling or deplatforming. Post-throttling has happened to me a couple times before. That's how it works. Now, let me do a little, little more of a lighthearted one, okay? Anytime a rule is given, people who embody kind of the, the spirit of the law, of law, sin, and death, anytime a rule's given, there's people who go, ooh, I would love to obey the rule and be the enforcer of that rule on everyone else. I self-appoint myself the enforcer. So, we all live through 2020 together. Let's do some group therapy. What about, I'm not talking about just anyone who wore a mask. What about the mask Nazis? Okay, you know what I, you guys know where I'm going here? Like for the last year, you walk like anywhere. I have been, true story, I don't have time to tell it. I have been on hiking trails, miles apart from anybody else. And what I'm about to describe uh, has happened to me. You walk out into a space and somebody screams, sir, mask, mask. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm wearing a mask. Up, up, it's gotta be up. Well, it is up. Higher, need to touch your eyebrows. Okay. Hey man, I'm like, I'm, I'm drinking a cup of water right now. You can drink water again in six months, not right now. You can drink it. Okay, now, how many of us have enjoyed living under the law? Do you enjoy that? Okay, that explains all the California license plates in our parking lots. Let me just, <laughs> just say that. And listen, if you're here, stop, stop. Let me just say like, if you're here and you're from California, we love you, you're just not allowed to vote. You know, it's fine. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Stop. That's a joke. I moved here from out of state. That's a joke. Okay, that's a joke. So what I'm getting at is living under the law is not a joyful, life-giving experience. So watch this. There's another option. And it's what Romans chapter 8 calls walking by the Spirit. Okay, now, really quick. Okay, track with me. For you to understand what it means to walk by the Spirit and how it's different from living under the law, we gotta do a little theology really quick. So you Bible scholars, let's lean in. Man, for all of us, we're gonna lean in because we love the Bible more than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. 
Okay, let's, so let's lean in, and you guys track with me. You gotta stay with me for two minutes because this right here is one of my favorite like mind-blowing wow moments in the entire Bible, okay? So for you to understand this, we gotta rewind like four to 600 years before Jesus to a prophecy that God made in Jeremiah chapter 31. For your homework, go home this week, read Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, and Acts 2. I don't have time to do all of it, that's your homework. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, Acts 2. I'm gonna do two of them, okay? Now in this prophecy, here's what God says, Jeremiah 31, 31. God prophesies this. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Really quick, all a covenant is, is a contract. A contract is an agreed upon way of relating to each other. So in this prophecy, God's saying, I someday, there's gonna come a day where I establish a new way of relating to people. With who? With the people of Israel and the people of Judah. By the way, that's us. We are, the, the Bible says, the descendants of Abraham by faith. We are the new Israel. We are the, Jesus said, you are the kingdom of God. So that's us. And he says, hey, this new way of relating, it will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Why? Because they broke my covenant. In other words, the new way of relating is gotta be different, God says, because the old arrangement, it didn't work. No matter how hard we tried, we could never keep the law that God had given that was external to us. So God goes, man, it didn't work. They couldn't keep that covenant. So I gotta make a new covenant, a new way of relating. Why? Even though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Now he starts to define it. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Here's how it's different. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And every Jewish person who read that, they would have gone, mind blown, insane. Do you know why? Because in the old covenant, what God did is he brought the people of Israel to Sinai and he inscribed his law on tablets of stone outside of them. The law was outside of them. It was external on tablets of stone. And in Jeremiah 31, God says, there is coming a day when I'm gonna put the law inside of you. I'm gonna inscribe it inside of you on tablets of flesh inside of your heart. Now, that prophecy was fulfilled at Pentecost, the first Pentecost. Now, really quick, um, as soon as I say the word Pentecost, a lot of you guys just start freaking out because you immediately, you think like lots of makeup, long dresses, tambourines, and shofars, okay? So let me just describe, here's what I mean when I use the word Pentecost, or we use the word Pentecostal. Here's all that word means, okay? Think about the etymology of the word. Penta means five, like the Pentagon, okay? Five-sided, Penta means five. Cost means factor of 10. It's a Greek suffix that means factor of 10. Here's all Pentecost means, 50th. Now, it's not scary. It just means 50th. Now, you may be going, oh, why does Pentecost means 50th? Well. Pentecost was a feast the people of Israel, Jews, celebrated, watch this, 50 days after the feast of the Passover. Why? Because they were celebrating the giving of the law. See, God brought Israel out of Egypt and he gave them the law at Mount Sinai on tablets of stone, watch this, 50 days after the first Passover celebrated in Egypt. So it was on that day, at the Feast of Pentecost, where they were celebrating the giving of the law, that God poured out his Holy Spirit 
on those people. Now, do you remember what happened at the first Pentecost, at Pentecost in Acts chapter two? Think about this, okay? Now, listen, we're getting ready to pull back the curtain. All of it's gonna come together. You're gonna go, wow, mind blown, okay? What happened at the first Pentecost? They prayed, the room shook, divided tongues of fire. The presence of the Spirit fell on all of the apostles. They preached in Spirit-empowered power, and 3,000 people were saved. They willingly gave themselves to Jesus as Lord. Now, watch this, okay? I love this so much. At the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, what happened, okay? There was a loud noise, a cloud descended, fire surrounded the mountain, God wrote his law on tablets of stone, and 3,000 people died. Now, watch this. What happened at Pentecost? There was a loud noise, the cloud of the Spirit descended, fire fell, God wrote his law on men's hearts, and 3,000 people were saved. That's awesome, I love the Bible. That's awesome, I love the Bible. So listen, what God was doing at the first Pentecost is he was fulfilling the prophecy in Jeremiah 31. He was saying, there's coming a day when I'm gonna put my spirit inside of you and I'm gonna put my law inside of you so that the law is not gonna be a have to outside of you, it's gonna be a want to inside of you. That's what happened at Pentecost. By the way, I just need to address something in our church really quick. Right now, because of kind of the worship culture that's starting to, you know, it's kind of developing at our campuses, man, there's more and more people kind of worshiping, maybe expressively, uh, honestly, I, I think biblically, clapped hand, clap, clapping hands and shouting and singing and, and raising hands just like in Psalms. This is a question I get in my inbox with a, a, a surprising amount of frequency right now. Josh, is Lake Point a Pentecostal church? Or they'll ask this question like this, is Lake Point becoming a Pentecostal church? So let me just answer that question. If by that you mean lots of makeup, long dresses, shofars, tambourines, and tongues in services, no. Lake Point is not a Pentecostal church. But if by that you mean that we believe that the spirit of the living God is alive and active today, that he pours himself out in power, that he's still doing a work, and that we pray for and expect that to see that intermiss, yes, yes, we want to be that. Yeah, we do, yes. So now, watch this. What happens is the spirit, what he does is he writes God's laws on our hearts so that the law is no longer something external we gotta do, it's something internal we wanna do. When the spirit comes to live in you, we stop obeying God out of fear of punishment and we start obeying him out of love for the one who was punished for us. That's why we love Jesus and talk about Jesus and preach Jesus and teach Jesus and sing about Jesus and worship Jesus and we wanna live for Jesus because we're just enamored by what he did for us and we're like, man, I just wanna pour out my life as a living sacrifice to you who was crucified for me. So like right now, let me give some like real life examples of this. So like right now, we have hundreds of brand new Christians in our church, baptized 300 people two weeks ago. So let me just explain for you guys who right now, you're like brand new to walking with Jesus. Let me explain something that's happening to you right now, okay? Some of you, here's your story over the last like three or four months. It's three or four months ago, you, you had to come to church. Like mom drugged you, grandma guilted you, you just came, it was like, ah, family makes me, gotta do it, gotta do it, gotta do it. But then all of a sudden something started changing in you 
and you started like waking up going like, I, I, I wanna go to church. Like, I, I'm like, it's, it's like Wednesday, I'm already thinking about Sunday. And you're like, huh, that, that's weird. Or like, maybe you used to wake up every day and the first thing you did is get on the ESPN app or turn on ESPN. And that's like been your routine for like 10 years. And all of a sudden, this super weird thing started happening to you where you woke up and you were like, man, like, I kinda like to, kinda like to read about Jesus. Let me see what's going on in God's word. And, and, and new desires are popping up in you and you're going, man, this is weird. No, that's not weird, that's the spirit. So that, that's what's happened in Romans chapter eight. Or, or some of you, it's like every, I heard this story like two weeks ago. We're like, maybe you're a newer Christian and every year you take this certain vacation with your friends, guys golf trip, you know, girls, whatever trips y'all do, you know, you, just, you do your thing. Every year you do that thing. And, and this year, like for the first time you were like, man, like your friends were like, hey, we're going to Panama. And you're like, man, like I kind of want to this year, I, I kind of want to use that time to like take my family on a, on a mission trip. And your friends are like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I started going to Lake Point, talking about Jesus, worshiping Jesus, I got baptized. And now I'm starting to want to do these things. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong with you. The Spirit's making something right in you. The, the Spirit does, he puts it in our hearts. Or, and this one, like we're approaching like miracle, miracle category, right? Uh, maybe you're like a young couple uh, that's dating and you're coming to Lake Point, been coming to Lake Point for three or four months. And you're coming, you're worshiping Jesus, you're encountering him, but you're sleeping together. The Bible calls that the sin of fornication. And, and you're doing that and you're like, man, we love Jesus, we worship Jesus, maybe you got baptized together and God's doing a work in your life. And maybe like your boyfriend looked at you in the last few weeks and he was like, babe, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but like, man, that Jesus fellow's all right. I, I kind of like, I kind of like him and I, I love him, I wanna serve him, you know, I wanna keep my wallet open, my pants on. You know, it's like this crazy thing is, having it to me and I really like to serve Jesus and your husband or your, uh, your boyfriend went, man, I think like maybe we ought to like try to stop sleeping together or, or talk about getting married. And what you thought was, holy spirit of God. <laughs> and you didn't say the word you were gonna say because the spirit's at work in you too. And he's given you new desires to wanna have wholesome speech. You see, this is what the spirit does is he takes the law that was outside of us, you got to and he puts it inside of us, you want to. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. Now here's the best thing about walking by the Spirit, is he leads us into a life where there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, when you by faith put yourself into that relationship with Jesus, by faith and faith alone, the Spirit comes into your life, he produces these new desires, you start wanting to live for him as a living sacrifice, and in that relationship, there is therefore when? Now, how much? Condemnation for who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, I need you, to, really quick, I need to pause here because you believe that in your head, your heart does not believe that. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Zero, none. So right now, if you had an awesome week and you woke up every day and you were in your Bible, you did your devotions, you know, you didn't say any of the bad words and you, you know, you did your thing and kept, kept yourself pure and walked and did all, you know, all the stuff, there's no condemnation for you. And if you had an awful week, you were 0 for 7 on spending time in the word, you said all the bad words, you lost it with your kids, you did the things you knew you weren't supposed to do in those relationships, but, you, but you're in Christ and you're trying to walk with him, like it, not perfectly, but, but you're trying now there is no condemnation for you. 
And some of you guys, like, you got this sin that you've struggled with for years, and it's like, you try and fail and try and fail and try and fail. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, but he keeps getting back up. And what that means is that our, our, our orientation towards God isn't evidenced by us walking perfectly. It's evidenced by what happens when we fall. And what's gonna happen is this week, you're gonna fall into that same sin again and do that thing that you promised God a million times you'd never do again. And in that moment, while you are committing that most grievous, disgusting sin, in that moment, there will be no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Like, a lot better news than you responded. So let me just explain this. So this is what this means. Watch this. Now, this is true. No condemnation for those who, I need to to land this plane. I'm having fun. There are two lies that Satan tells about this, okay? First lie that Satan tells is that there is no condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus. So Satan, who is the father of lies, he lies to tell non-Christians that there's no condemnation for them. I love you, and so I'm gonna speak truthfully with you. That is a lie. If you are not in Christ Jesus by faith, there does remain condemnation for you. This world is lorded over by the father of lies. This is the lie that the whole world is screaming at you right now. So in our world, what we say is, you don't need to repent of your sins, we just need to practice tolerance of sins. Or in our culture, what our culture says is, man, the only sin now is believing that there's such a thing as sin, and what you need saving from is the idea that you need saving. That's the lie that our culture tells right now. So you might be here, and right now, because you believe that lie, you're like, oh, 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 man, I don't have a problem with God, but God has a problem with you, your sin. You got the only God can judge me tattoo. Okay, great, he will, and you should be prepared. They're like, man, you're like, man, hey, uh, hey, I don't need to worry about this stuff because when I die, I'm gonna go to a better place. Not everyone goes to a better place when they die. Hell is hot and eternity's long and God sent his son Jesus so that you would never have to go there. So listen, lie number one that Satan tells is that there is no condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus. That's a lie. Here's the other lie that he tells. He tells the Christian that there actually is still a little condemnation for you. He lies and tells there. So the verse says, there is therefore now at least a little condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And watch this. Something doesn't have to be true to destroy your life. It just has to be believed. I have, Jane and I have been married 15 years. I have been faithful to Jana for 15 years. That's true. But if Jana doesn't believe that's true, it will destroy our relationship. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's true. If you don't believe that's true, it will destroy your relationship with God. Because in relationships, we always move away from people from whom we feel condemnation. So watch this. Here's what you gotta understand. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This doesn't make sense to some of you guys, so let me give you a visual. Okay, here's what I got here. I got a, a box, and this is, can you zoom in here? That's my two-year-old son, Hudson. He's real cute. Uh, Hudson, this week, just turned two years old, and Jan and I, uh, we, we call us crazy, two is our favorite little kid age. We love to. We just, all their words are cute. You can kind of get on the floor, wrestle with them, and, and I don't know, man. I just, we love to. And so, it, uh, I need you to get this. Like, I am totally smitten with my son, Hudson. He's my little buddy, Hudbud. I'm totally smitten with Hudson. Now, over here, I got some things that I hate, okay? Let me show you some things I hate. 
Guys, I, I hate green beans. I hate them so much. When I go to restaurants, I order like a, a six-year-old, like don't give me any vegetables. I want carbs and starches and uh, meats and cheeses. That's it. So I hate green beans. Hate them. Um, here's another thing I hate, pet peeve, is when I go to get bread and, uh, and I open the little bread loaf and all that's left is the heel. I hate it. I hate the heel. It doesn't taste like bread. So I hate that it goes in there. I hate it. Um, here's one. I hate licorice. Grandparents, if all you have is licorice, don't tell your grandkids you got candy, that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. I hate it. I just can't stand it. I'm gonna put that in there. I, I hate it. Uh, we have already established, I'm not saying they're right or wrong, I just hate these things. That goes in there, okay? Uh, now, let me do this thing. Uh, now, I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gain 75% of you and lose 25% of you, and that's a price I'm willing to pay. Uh, I hate this movie so much. Can you zoom in? I hate it. I hate this movie. Um, now, let me just say, if you, <laughs> I'm losing 25% here. Just track with me. I'm pleading with you. If you love this movie, uh, you need help. <laughs> because, just think about it, This is a movie about a deranged teenage girl falling in love with an undead guy who has to drink human blood to stay alive, and he has to practice harm upon her to stay in the relationship. If you like this movie, uh, you need Jesus and therapy, okay? Let me just, so that goes in there. And then uh, last one, let me get this. Um, now, can you, can you see the label there? Can you see where it's, it's, where is it? It says gluten-free. I hate that. Anything that's gluten-free, I hate. I want extra gluten. I, I want, so for me, in fact, I wanna get rid of this bread is bad for you foolishness in our culture. Guys, Jesus did not say he was the broccoli of life. He did not pray, give us this day our daily kale. He said he was the bread of life. Bread's awesome. So I love, I don't like this stuff. I don't like it. So I hate all that stuff. Okay, now, <laughs> they're gonna, band's gonna come in, make it sound spiritual here. Okay, now, if you were to show me that box and you just walked out, you show me the box and you were like, hey, Josh, how do you feel about this? And showed me the box. I would see it, I'd see Hudson, my son, and I go, oh man, I love it so much. And then you were to go, yeah, Josh, but there's a lot of things in that box that you hate. I'd say, yeah, but they're in the box and all I can see is my son and I love my son and so I love it. Okay, now, a lot of you right now, like you're looking at your life and there's still a lot of things in your life you struggle with that God hates. And you're like, how does God feel about me right now? And you hear this, there's no condemnation, God love, you know, that kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, but there's still a lot of things in my life that God hates. And God's going, yeah, but you are in Christ Jesus. And so when I look at you, I see my son and I love my son and so I love you. That's all I got. I love you. That's all I have for you. I'm looking at you. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just seeing Jesus. And so like when you start to feel condemnation, what happens in your heart is you start going, yeah, God, like, man, I'm really struggling. Like, look at my impurity. And God's going, I don't see that. I see Jesus' purity. You're going, yeah, God, but look at my anger. I blew up my kids. Again, I don't see that. I see Jesus' peace. Yeah, God, look at my sin. I don't see that. I see Jesus' righteousness. Yeah, God, look at my failure. I don't see that. I see Jesus' success. I love to say it like this. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how does God feel about you right now? Get a number in your head. If you're a Christian, get a number in your head. The answer is it's always a 10. It's always a 10, why? Because God does not love you to the, to the degree that you are like Christ Jesus. He loves you to the degree that you are in Christ Jesus. And that's always 
Listen, watch this. That's the best news you ever heard. So listen, watch this. Christian, you can sin your way out of a lot of things. You can sin your way out of a marriage. You can sin your way out of a good relationship with your kids. You can sin your way out of a job. You cannot sin your way out of God's love for you in Christ Jesus. That was fixed at the cross. It's done. That is forever. And that's why we love Jesus so much and we preach about him and we teach about him and we pray to him and we worship him and we wanna live our lives for him because Jesus did that for us and we're hidden in Christ. And what I wanna pray for you right now is that the spirit would just infuse your heart with that truth so that you could walk in his grace. And so would you right now, would you let me pray for you and pray that God does that work in your heart. And so Father, um, I pray against those two lies of the enemy. And so God, for people who have not yet crossed the line of faith and, and given their lives to you, God, would you please, because you love them and your word says you desire all people to be saved, would you please now, by the work of your spirit, just produce a holy fear and a holy longing in them that makes them go, man, I wanna come home. <laughs> I wanna come home. I, I, I wanna give my sins to Jesus. And would you do that? And then God, for all of us who have crossed the line of faith and we do belong to you, would you please eradicate the voice of the accuser, our enemy, the devil, in our hearts and in our minds. And God, would you just open us up to the freedom that we have, knowing that there is zero condemnation, now or forevermore, because of Jesus and Jesus alone. God, would you give us that freedom that causes us to just be enraptured by you, that makes us want to pour out all of our lives to the one who gave all of his life for us. We love you. We commit ourselves to you afresh and we pray those things in the crucified, risen son, name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church digital.